Do you want to know the secret to success? Welcome to rulesforsuccess.com, a platform that unites the accomplished and the ambitious. This is where successful entrepreneurs reveal their winning strategies, their profound wisdom, and their practical guidance. Whether you are a pioneering entrepreneur, a determined business leader, or simply someone who craves success, rulesforsuccess.com is the podcast designed for you. We're here to arm you with the invaluable knowledge of individuals who have paved their own path to success. And now let's get into the show with dynamic host, Joseph Varghese. Hey everybody, Joseph Varghese here, rulesforsuccess.com. It's my buddy, Erlen Bucke here. Uh, I've known Erlen for five plus years now. I met him through a community I lead called the Near Power Team in New York. And uh, also got to know him in person over the years. We've shared a lot in common. He's a big fan of automation. He's a big fan of really embracing fulfillment continually in life. We have a lot of common values. And uh, uh, he's someone I respect a lot. Um, I've actually you know, hired a team. A lot of it has been inspired by his organization, one of his organizations that he's been involved with called Mr. Outsource. Uh, he's an author of two books, um, uh, Never Work Again. It's, it's a five-star, 200-plus reviewed book, uh, which I have multiple copies of myself that I give out often as our power team. It's like, it's like the four hour work week, um, to the next level, really clear strategies on marketing automation and much more. Um, well, Erlen, welcome. <laughs> How are you? Thank, you? Thank you very much. I'm great. Yeah. I'm just, uh, just outside Oslo, Norway. And, um, I know you from New York when we, I used to spend a lot of time there. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, when you come back to New York, what do you see? Well, I have actually become, so I've kind of gone from ultimate freedom to, to less freedom. Um, so I used to travel the world and live what I call the freedom, freedom lifestyle, being a digital nomad. And I started with that in 2011. And in 2017, 2017 I moved back from London to, uh, to Oslo to uh, calm things down a bit. Mm. I, I got a bit uh, tired of always being in a different place and not having so many rigid things around me. So what I had, which was rigid, was my routines and habits. So mm. I kind of relied on them for stability. Um, but I actually haven't been out of Norway since July last year. So I've been, been <laughs> here since July last year, right. which is the longest I haven't traveled in probably 10, well, probably 20 years, something. Okay. And you're from Norway. You were born and raised in Norway, correct? Yeah. Yeah. I'm born in London, but I'm, uh, I'm Norwegian. My, both my parents are. Okay. And, and I know a lot of members of my community, we, we appreciate the uh, digital nomad lifestyle, but it's, it's good, also good, good to know that it's nice to go back to your roots at times, right? Embrace, go back to the roots and the value in that. Yeah. I think, um, I think it, everything has its time. Yes. And, and uh, I think at some point I just kind of realized that I don't really want to live in a big city um, anymore. I want to live, well, Oslo is a big city, but it's, it's a capital city. It's, uh, yeah. it's like 600, 700,000 in the, in the center and then about 1.2 and if you include the suburbs, metro basically. Cool. Uh, so I, I live about 10, 15 minutes drive from the city center. Uh, close to the highway just up here, but it's there's a forest here. I can go for walks with my dog. Um, there's a tennis court across the street. Uh, I can go cycling up here and go for a swim in the fjord, five-minute cycling. Awesome. So it, it's just uh, just uh, high quality of living. Yeah, um, I, I heard that in Norway. Norway is one of the place, one of the few places in the world that's very high as far as uh, 
uh, just relaxed standard of living where people like uh, happiness, right? It's like high on the happiness. Like I think, I think it's number one or number two company country in the whole world where it's uh, people are more consistently happy, right? Is that, yeah. is that part of your reason to being there? Um, I think there's a lot of, uh, you pay a lot in taxes, yeah. but unlike some countries, I'm not referring to any country here, but some countries, they, uh, the politicians don't always invest the money in the right areas. But in Norway, when you pay taxes, you can actually see that it's being invested in good things. Um, so I don't mind that. You know, you can, you're very safe here. Things work very well. Uh, we're very good in technology. So like everything's an app. You know, you want to buy a bus ticket, there's an app for that. Right. Uh, and uh, no, it's a good country. You know, there's a good welfare system if you fall through the cracks. Um, so it's actually one of the best places to start a business in the world because um, if you've been working here for three years, you can actually apply for the government to pay you uh, like a minimum wage for mm. two years while you start your business. That's so amazing. That's amazing, right? So, and also like if anything happens to me in my business, I know that... Um, you know, th things happen like icebergs come out of nowhere and you, you need to have some kind of safety and security lined up to, to deal with things. And, and in Norway, you don't really have to worry about, uh, you know, having certain insurances or, mm, um, you know, there's a healthcare system where you get everything. There's, uh, you know, if my business fails and I can't work, then I'm supported for the rest of my life. You know, I don't have to worry about that. Um, so in terms of starting a business, Norway is a great place because awesome. funding and, uh, and people want you to start a business because we're an oil nation, right? So if we run out of oil, then, uh, we need to have other things to, uh, to make money on. Right. So, so it's, uh, it's quite a good startup culture here. Uh, there, there wasn't a good startup culture here in 2008 when I started out. Um, people were quite negative to it. People said, why don't you just get a job? Um, I may have been hanging out in the wrong circles as well because I didn't hang out with people that were starting companies. Mm -hmm. Some people were kids of people that had started a business, so they kind of understood it, but they didn't. Uh, but now it's very different. So now I work from a place called Startup Lab, which is mm -hmm. one of the best incubators in, in, uh, in Norway. So I love it. Awesome. What got you on this path? So you mentioned 2007, 2008, kind of like a, being a realization, awakening of sorts. And uh, I also know you, you've done a lot of growth work over the years. Yeah. What got you on this sick journey? Uh, it started off by getting fired. So I was working as a brand consultant in London. Um, fairly good job. You know, I was a brand strategist. I worked with Blackberry and Orange, or French Telecom, Orange, and mm -hmm. uh, Eurostar, stuff like that. And then I didn't really fit in. I had, I had this side project with one of the, one of the bosses of the company, which was a, basically um, a freelancing platform. So... Uh, I said, you guys should focus on sales and then you should have like a pool of freelancers that you delegate to. So your business model is sales, get the sales in and get people to do the work for you. So it's already kind of outsourcing, I guess. I never thought about that before, actually. Um, so I got fired and then I started a business with a friend doing three, 360 photography. Mm -hmm. so basically, you could see products from all sides. There's a lot of uh, image editing involved. So I started an image editing company. Uh, that's how I started outsourcing. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and that company is still alive today. And it's actually the photography business and the outsourcing uh, company that I built in the Philippines is actually what's kind of funded writing books and, and travel and uh, the kind of freedom that I had for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Got it. And let's talk about that a little bit. So I'm sure a lot of people who are watching this 
but know your life so who might have a copy and never work again or maybe have heard of it i mean the, the whole idea of uh being a, a digital nomad being able to travel have flexibility being able to tap into fulfillment is a dream for a lot of people right and uh it's an awesome dream and of course you know you you embraced it for a couple of years for years and you're you're back now into your roots now mm. um well let's talk about that so, so what are some rituals and routines that you carried on back then that you had back then that kept you consistent each day kind of embracing that lifestyle that you may have even you may be even using right now in your life when i think morning rituals eating rituals things of that sort yeah um so i haven't stopped doing any rituals really like uh, well i i would say i'm perfecting them over time i think one thing that i've definitely changed uh before i was very rigid so i'd like i get up i would do meditation i would uh, have a green smoothie i would do my journal and then i would start working right it would be very very rigid um but what i've got now is like i i have all these good routines all these positive time habits that add value to my life right and uh, i have tried stopping doing habits and mm -hmm. and starting doing habits again and I think it's good to take a break from habits from time to time to reflect on how well they're working for you. Right. But I, I don't have a rigid uh, routine anymore but like I used to, mm -hmm. but there's definitely um, things that I've changed around. So instead of doing as much meditation as I was doing, which is basically sitting, I, I was sitting too much already, mm -hmm. uh, is that I, I changed that with doing yoga, right? Mm -hmm. So I'd start. Uh, every other day I'll start like with a half hour or an hour of yoga um, to, to uh, because I find that's quite meditative, meditative in its yes. practice. Um, yeah. And then healthy eating, you know, like I eat healthy five out of seven days a week. Like I'm conscious of eating healthy. Like I have, I eat an alkaline diet, but then the thing with, if you're too rigid in your routines and habits, you become extremely controlling mm -hmm. and that becomes stressful. Right. So there's this, need to be have more flux in what you do yes you're constantly like i think as an entrepreneur because there's so many unknowns um i think that's also one of the reasons why i moved back to norway because there's less unknowns here you know like i knew i know like shit hits the fan i'm still taken care of yes. you know so, like i eliminated a lot of worry right there right uh, and i think maybe a lot of the routines that i had which were very rigid were was because i was trying to because I had so little control over clients and what was going on in the business and yada yada, I had these routines to sort of give me a more give me a feeling of control. So uh, since moving back, I've, I've become a lot more relaxed about everything. Mm. Uh, I don't do everything every day. Um, I knew I know they all add value to my life, but like, how much time are you going to spend on this kind of stuff? You know, there is time for not doing. Um, anything sensible right you know it's like everything can't be <laughs> controlled and managed and positive and you know like it's, it's kind of it's quite unnatural you know yes. human beings. So I was, i'm just watching this um this mm -hmm. documentary on um mm -hmm. uh dr dre and uh this guy uh a vine or something he's a record record executive a record producer mm -hmm. and you know it's it's they haven't had you know they're successful in terms of money and popularity and fame but I'm not sure they how many success habits they had. Like, I think they were very focused on their craft. I think their habit was dedication to their craft, but I think. Right. And, enjoying the, and enjoying the process all the way through, right? Getting there. Yeah, I don't think they enjoyed the entire process either. 
Hmm. You know, it's a lot of, you know, everything's duality. Yeah. Everything's a paradox, you yeah. know, like you can't be happy without feeling sad. You know, yeah. you can't, can't have success without failure. Um, so there's this constant, there's this constant uh, flux between things. And I think in terms of routines and habits, I've become much better at sort of adapting the routines and habits that I need to where I am. So the day before, I'll go, oh, I'm going to get up then and I'm going to do yoga. Or I'm going to get up and do this. Um, so I try to add as many positives in my life as possible. But I think the danger is when the positives become too negative and too controlling, which is what it actually was in my life. I was too rigid. Mm. Now I'm more relaxed and now, I feel do, a lot better you, and I have a lot more fun and I'm more successful. <laughs> awesome. But do you feel that those investments early on being kind of rigid building those habits of knowing you could do it, let's say getting up each day at 5.30 or yeah. you think they, they helped you eventually? Like, okay, well, now you have a reference. Okay, well, I was able to do that. Now I can let go of that. I built as a habit. I can go back if I ever wanted to, but now I can mix and match and add a few, a few more things in the mix as well. There's definitely this phase where you have to sort of focus on it and force it. And I think what's really important with habit incorporation is doing you know, one thing, don't do 10 things, like do one thing and then just consistently do it until it sticks. Um, and I am constantly like, I think they're so ingrained many of the things that I do now, like they're automatic. Um, but I definitely had to go through phases where uh, it was hard, not hard to do things. But now yes. kind of like I know the benefits of doing them. Yes. So one of the things actually a new habit as I I've stopped drinking. Um, I've had a drink in two years and four months. That's impressive. Awesome. Yeah. yeah so that, was, was, was that by choice in terms of like health is, or like, like, you know, biohacking or was it more of a just something benefit you know? anymore? Yeah. You know, like I didn't really like myself when I was drinking hmm. very much. And I was, I got tired of like, you know, the next day you kind of feel a little bit depressed and you feel like tired and, and slow. And I don't know, these, these were things that I didn't really, I didn't like the, the downside is so high compared to the upside. Who is your peer group out there? So what's your like peer structure, you know, accountability, masterminds? What does that look like currently for you? I'm big about peer groups, that's why. Right. Um, well, I work at a place called Startup Lab mm -hmm. and they have an ethical code, like be nice, be happy and make something, you know, like, um, so, uh, you know, I'm constantly being surrounded by very positive people mm -hmm. where I work from. Uh, mm -hmm. So Startup Lab is an awesome community. Everyone's supportive. I have, I have great people I work with, you know, like my, my partners are pretty cool. Um, and then, of course, Christina's cool. You know, she supports me in what I do. Uh, the dog helps me, you mm -hmm. know. He's a happy, happy fella. I, I play on a tennis team. Tennis, tennis people are pretty cool people. Um, so I don't really hang out with a lot of big drinkers, you know, and, and I don't hang out. I, I've eliminated a lot of people that I used to spend time with. Uh, in Norway, um, I, it was actually definitely one of the things that I thought thought about moving back was like, okay, when I move back, I'm gonna really evaluate who I spend time with. So I spend a lot of time with entrepreneurs. Like most of my friends are entrepreneurs. Uh, they either uh, have started their own business or they're like running their family's business. So I'm definitely surrounded by positive people that are productive and uplifting, and I think that's incredibly important. You know, like yeah. you surround yourself with is massive. Absolutely. four or five percent you know four or five people you're the average of four or five people whatever uh really important i think that's the, one of the biggest game shifters and if, if people are wondering about how to uh, get rid of people um 
you just start declining their offers. Mm-hmm. So like, oh, let's go out. You say, oh, I can't. I can't. Okay, uh, why can't you? Oh, I've got some other plans. You know, I'm, what are your plans? Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna spend some time by myself. You know, or I'm gonna go meet some other people. You you just kind of start, uh, yes. and after a while, they stop they stop contacting you because they get the hint. Yes. Uh, so so that's that's what that's what I did. I didn't say okay. to him directly like, don't I'm, call I'm, him. I'm much the same way as well. Also, like when I moved to where I live now in New York, my values shifted. And uh, it's really being more focused on family and growth. And fortunately, I'm part of communities where I can pick and choose specific people I want to connect with for that yeah. reason, right? Yeah. So it's, it's good. It's good to be part of the environment. You mentioned Startup Labs. You can yeah. tap into and meet people yeah. who are entrepreneur-minded and you can you know, engage with who you choose, right? Yeah. Around that. I do want to mention my routines, actually, because yeah, I, I, I have it, please. time. Right. So first and foremost, like sleep is really important. Um, you know, seven, eight hours of sleep, super important. Um, and if you're tired, just sleep some more, you know, it's fine. Like there's this like stigma around rest in the entrepreneur world and the performance world. But the thing is like the Roger Federer's of the world, they are really good at performing when they're performing. And then they're good at relaxation when they need to relax, like Mm -hmm. they get the balance right. And if you don't get the balance right, you will get injured, you know? Right. So then I sleep, I get up, I drink a uh, half a liter of water. Then I have some fish oil, like essential oils. It's really good for your brain, your body, all your chemical reactions in your body. I did this morning myself. Uh, good. And then, uh, and then uh, I, I usually have a healthy breakfast. Like either it's a green smoothie um, with mostly green vegetables. And then whilst drinking it, I, I read a book uh, typically on my phone, like Kindle. Mm-hmm. There's three books that I read. Like one is on stoicism, one is on happiness. And uh, the third one is usually something I'm just like looking into at the moment. So I, I get in like five to 10 pages over breakfast. Um, so that's pretty good. And then I either I go out the door or I do some kind of exercise. So if it's exercise, I do yoga. Uh, if it's another type of exercise, it's typically tennis. Like I'll play two hours tennis in the morning. Wow. Um, yeah, because you know, why not? And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and then uh, I typically try to start my workday journaling. I haven't been so good at that lately, hmm. but I use something called Zenbot, and I go through um, five different questions. The first is uh, acknowledgement. I start off by saying like, what did I achieve yesterday? Hmm. So I write down like, oh, I did this well, I did this well, just to get me in a positive mind. Uh, hmm. I think my brain naturally goes into a negative uh, because of fear and like the animal brain. Um, and then it's uh, gratitude, and then it's uh, what I appreciate about people close to me. And then it's uh, goals for the day. One personal goal, one business goal. I do them first. And um, then it's uh, inter- like an internal goal. So like uh, be happy no matter what happens. So that's, that's the journal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so that's, uh, that's the bulk of things. So it's like there's a little bit of brain, there's a little bit of food, and there's a little bit of uh, physical like those three things, those are kind of the main areas that I focus on. I also try to do, I also try to listen to a meditation or do some kind of 10 minutes of positive visualization. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. what's important to bear in mind is like, and what I wasn't good at is like life's always changing. Like now we have a dog. So like now the dog takes up like one to two hours a day. Right. right? So yeah. <laughs> maybe I, before I did these habits, but now like I'm hanging out with the dog. So um, what I so one of the things I've incorporated is like when I do the evening walk uh, and I put her in her cage, then um, she sleeps in the cage. She loves it. 
So uh, in case any animal lovers don't mm -hmm. <laughs> love her I'm, cage. I'm sure, I'm sure we'll have a few listeners. Come out yeah. uh, on her cage because that's her safe spot. Uh, but I actually lie down next to her after giving her some sausage um, and just do my positive visualization. So like, it's like, I think it's important to, in terms of routines to be dynamic and be fle flexible about yeah. things that, Exactly. And I was now I'm better at it, and and my life flows better. And I I was very tense, you know, for ages. Um, and I know, like, from speaking to a lot of very successful people, that they're 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 stressed and tense, you know. And not everyone, but um, yeah. So it's important to 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 uh, allow things to sort of flow into your life. It's kind of like a martial arts in some ways, right? Whatever comes is you're able to kind of take it and kind of reshift energy. And you've got a whole set of routines you can you can tap into that can help you with that. Right, yeah. and, uh, and you got to adapt. The most adaptable person wins, right? So it's mm -hmm. adapting to situations. We have two kids now, so it's yeah. the same thing too. Also, just you know, how do we adapt? How do I meditate with my daughter there, or how can I, you know, engage or give her full presence, you know, and make that my meditation, perhaps? So yeah. I, I totally get that, and you know, I, I, perhaps that's a new journey as well at some point. But yeah. it, it is indeed um, adjusting, like um, adapting to in the environment, you know, the people and so forth. Um, I think it's really important to have like consciousness of habits. Yes. Like that, you know, like, because so, there's this, um, the compound effect. Okay. There's a book. Yes. I think it's Darren Hart. Yep. Um, you can also read the slight edge, which is a similar book. Uh, but the compound effect is how life works. Like a lot of people think, Oh, somebody started a business. Now they're a billionaire. No, no. they spent like 20, 10 to 20 years practicing and training and they stick to it and they did it on a daily basis. They were passionate about it. All their energy went into it. They were constantly thinking. So like every day matters and every habit matters, every little thing. So I try to keep that in mind um, when it comes to decisions. It's like, oh, am I going to go for a run or not? It's like, I'm going to go for a run because I know that over time it matters. Mm -hmm. So um, that, it also comes to saving, like saving money in your business. Like just save 5%. Like take 5% of revenue and just put it into another bank. You know, end of the year, you pay it out as a, as a profit. And automated. You know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's automated. Like, yeah. like, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, and I think also like when it comes to automation, like, uh, and selling a business. So my goal in three years, you talked earlier, my goal in three years is to sell my business. Okay. I've always wanted to sell a business, never sold a business. Um, so why would I want to do that? Well, the thing is like, if you build a sellable entity, then you've created something of real value. But not only that, you also created something that highly works without you. Right. You know, so in, when it comes to business and doing business and never work again, which is here, it's very much about sort of delegating and automating. Like yeah. I don't want to have to spend eight hours working. Like I don't want to commit to eight hours of having to spend working on, on, on serving clients, for instance. Like I want to be able to, uh, get up and play tennis and then work and manage my day and manage my life. So if I create a sellable entity, it means that I've created an entity that works without me. And right. I think that's the goal. And then of course, selling a business would be a lot of fun. Of so course. <laughs> I don't know how long that's going to take. Um, but I know that if I am the business, I can't sell it. Right. So that's a goal in itself. So begin, and, with, begin with the end in mind, essentially. Begin with the end in mind. I think like automation and delegation and systems and things like that, they're important in terms of uh, just surviving as an entrepreneur because there's, there's a, lot, a lot of things. There's a lot of stuff 
You got all the hats as an entrepreneur. So being able to delegate is really key. So you can focus on your strengths. A lot of people focus on their weaknesses and go after that. And they're constantly working on that. And that's their life. And 20 years goes by and then they're still working on, the, you know, balancing everything where as it's focused on their key strengths, you know, yeah. uh, you get more momentum because you're able to leverage the rest and find people who are really good at, at the things that you're not as good at, perhaps. Yeah, I, thought, I also think you, um, I think the hardest thing we do is to think, you know, it's like I went through my goals today. Every Tuesday I go through my life goals just to remember them because mm-hmm. um, I usually forget them, you know, when things are get busy. Um, and it's, it's, life gets really busy, you know, like two kids, dog, this and that. And so taking some time to really think. And if you're constantly busy, if you haven't automated and delegated enough, then you're constantly not there, um, which means you can't really work on what's most important. So I think spending some time to think is important and also like not having guilt around it because we think that we have to do stuff to make something to happen. Right. right? But we don't like you can, it's more important to really think about something yep. and then do something really well than just doing things. So, you mentioned like Roger Federer before and the top athletes and performers, they take time off throughout the year, maybe a third of the year off to do that, to think, to relax, to rejuvenate, and they get back in the playing, the playing field. And it's because they've done that. They've, 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 they're able to, you know, take care of their bodies or minds, be able to perform at that high level. Absolutely. It's, it's really, it's really critical. Very important. So, uh, I, yeah, it's interesting. It's actually a realization uh, on this interview again, is like the, uh, how much I, 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 that's become automated. Like, cause I've trained for, you know, I've been an entrepreneur now for like, 12 years, 12 years. Yeah. So I only started really training on things and improving myself with focus about mm. three or four years in. Mm. I attended a Tony Robbins seminar in LA. That's when I really learned about sort of mindset and beliefs and training and yada, yada, you know, it's like, that was a real eye opener for me. And from then I committed to, to training and, and learning things and doing things better. And I think it doesn't end, you know, you're always working on stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I have t- taken it down a little bit. You know, I, I, I wasn't a gear of, I think it's a bit of um, a cautionary tale that, you know, we want to get everything instantly in the, uh, you know, before in the past, maybe 50 years ago, people understood that it takes about 10, 20 years to get good at something. But now it's like, oh, you learn it in a year, learn it in six months, but it's, it's not realistic. You know, it takes time to get really good at something. Time and patience and consistency to really get good. And uh, I didn't have any of that. So, well, thanks for being honest about all that. Well, with that said, if you had to go back in time, right to the point where you're 20 years old and, and um, it's a unique question I'm going to ask people. I often ask people these days, if you could, if you can go back in time and talk to your 20 year old self, mm. what piece of advice would you give your 20 year, your 20 year old self? I usually, um, I like one of the things is that I accept the past, you know, I, I try to accept the past and the future and the present. Um, well, if I was to say something to my 20 year old self, I think I would, I would uh, say trust yourself and go with your gut more. Mm. You know, listen, to your, you listen to yourself, not other people. Don't do what you think you have to do, but do what you think you should do. Trust your gut. Trust yeah. your gut more. Got it was it. interesting. It was like when I was 20, I was managing a tennis club, Oslo tennis club. Uh, I wasn't the manager of the club, but I was a, uh, I was a tennis coach hmm. uh, at the time. And I got the offer of managing a tennis club. Not, a, not, not as big a tennis club as also tennis club, but like uh, I think it was about 1,500 members. And I was going to manage the whole thing, like 
finances and the coaches and everything. And I turned it down. But at 20, it was a great opportunity. You know, I would have learned everything about business. But instead, I went to Scotland and I studied. Um, but I think you kind of, you know, at some point I ended up starting a business and trying to do this kind of entrepreneur thing. So eventually, I think life finds you. But uh, I, I only did that because I listened to myself. I remember that, like, when I got fired, remember the next day really asking myself, what, what should I do now? What am I going to do? Because I was in London. I didn't have money for rent. Um, you know, I hadn't saved up any money. Uh, I thought, you know, once you have a job, you can't get fired. I've never really gotten fired from anything. Uh, but then I asked myself, so what do I really want to do? And that's when I started the whole entrepreneur thing. And it was scary, man. It was really scary. And you have a lot of self-doubt. And uh, yeah, but it kind of worked out, I guess. It did. It did. And I'm sure if you look back at it, you can see all the dots connected in some way or some form. You can't really can't go back in time. But I, I still like reflecting on that question because hmm. I think people, people need to... Uh, it's good to have some wisdom when you're 20 years old. It's good to like, if someone told me when I was 20 to you know, go on a different path or not go down certain or not go after a certain peer group because they, they seem cool for whatever reason, I may, have made, I may have made different decisions around that point. Absolutely. Very cool. And so finally, let's talk about 360 Factories. So what's your, so you're talking your, your, your intent. This is a business you've been involved for several years now, right? Yeah. You're putting a lot more focus and energy into it. Obviously, you're passionate about it. Um, but how do people like, what does 360 Factory do and how do people access you if they wanted to access you in the future? Uh, so 360 Factory is an image editing outsourcing platform. Basically, it's a workflow for photographers who need to get their images edited. So we basically work with product photographers, model photographers, and car dealerships, real estate photographers. So we make whatever they send more sellable. So we enhance the... Uh, the image experience and we manage the workflow. So if you want to comment on an image, you need some changes done, you can draw on the image, you can write a comment and it goes directly to the person that's worked on the images. So um, that's what we do. And it's spelled funny. It's uh, the number three and then 60 factory.com. And if you want more information about me, it's uh, erlenbacker.com. I'm sure it'll be in the show notes. Um, you can uh, opt into my mailing list and then uh, you get some info. Beautiful. Awesome, my friend. It's really great. And fun. I guess the last question I'll ask you, and you kind of tapped into it before. A lot of what I what I do each day is I do a lot of journaling myself. We focus on power questions. And within Success Circles, a community I organize, we have a daily huddle where we get in dialogue with someone else, one-on-one, who's perhaps a step or two ahead of you. Mm. But we focus a lot on, on power questions, recognizing that where focus goes, energy flows. So what's a, like a power question, something you ask yourself on a regular basis that you feel supports you maybe might compound your own growth you mentioned the compound effect before but what's something you focus on each day you ask yourself on a daily mm. basis that, that helps you um just really you know engage and, and and grow as a person yeah so it's the it's the question from the one thing the book the one thing is um what is the one most important thing that you need to do today uh, and i and i answer that for myself and personally and in terms of business um and I find that when I, when I complete those tasks, that things happen and things move forwards. That's actually one of the areas where, you know, you kind of come to work, you want to get going, uh, you want to get, you want to do stuff. Um, and I kind of, I still sometimes feel some guilt when I just sit there and I look at the screen and go like, what is the most important thing to do today? Um, but you can't sit there forever because there typically isn't like a one correct answer, but there is more correct things to do than others. 
so I think that's that's the most important question. Like, what is the most important mm-hmm. thing to do today? Because a lot of people have these extremely long uh, long to do lists. Mm-hmm. I I have like long to do lists, right? Um, and oftentimes I put things there just to remember, but there isn't much time in a day. Right. So if you can achieve that one thing that's going to move you forward and you're certain that that's the important thing to do, then it moves you forward. Um, it's kind of like, uh, two life is like two steps forwards, one step back, you know, it's constantly, right. constantly like slowly moving and sometimes it's like four steps back. Right. Right. Uh, so you stick with your one thing and really, really invest into that each day and you slowly, yeah. you slowly move yourself forward and perhaps roll forward to perhaps too. Yeah. And it's, I think like saying no is really important. Yeah. You know, I turned that like somebody wants me to do some interviews for a magazine. Uh, I was very tempted cause I enjoy it, but I turned it down cause like not time. Yeah. I, I find, you know, um, you know, the, the, the further I've been into entrepreneurship, the more important is to simplify life, to keep simplifying. Yeah. And years ago, I thought it was like really like important to like you know simplify and streamline for the purpose of automation. But I just find, particularly as we kind of clarify our values, move toward family and so forth, so more much more important. So I'm I'm constantly looking at what else can I close up? What are the loops, open loops? Because you know, as we know, we have you know sixty thousand thoughts that are often repetitive. The average person. So what else, what what is what is you know grabbing our attention i know i know you interviewed david allen for example one of my favorite authors i got to work with him over a decade ago uh personally and um you know what, what's always capturing our attention so it's a matter of uh you know recognizing things we might have been involved with committed to years ago that are no longer you know that important now maybe we can maybe we can give those things away or find other leaders to take them on or release them completely you know um I just yeah, find it's really hard you know like especially if you're uh if you are an entrepreneur and you're creative and you're positive, then you kind of go, oh, yeah, I can do that. I can do this. I can do that. I can do this. Can do that. But like the, the people that actually see some success and money are actually the ones that are good at saying no. Exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah. Awesome. This is great. Thank you. It's a great, great interview. Look at this up there, rulesforsuccess.com. Thank you, Erlen Bucky. You can also find out more about Erlen at E-R-L-E-N-D-B-A-K-K-E.com. We'll have it um, in the comments as well as also uh, your, your, your uh, 360 Factory the link for that as well. Thanks for being here, making this happen and being a friend. Of course, you too. Thank you. That's it for today's episode of rulesforsuccess.com podcast. But the journey to success is far from over. Join us next week for another inspiring conversation with a successful entrepreneur. Until then, remember to be bold, be courageous, and go after your dreams.